So I want to interview Carl. Carl's been a longtime friend. He's one of the elders. He's just a, a man of God whose life has the integrity of living in secret what he claims in public. I've heard a couple of stories from people who found him early in the morning and he didn't know that they were coming, dancing before the Lord on his deck or praying and singing. My buddy Alan, Alan Rowe, one day he says, um, I pulled a page out of, uh, he was living in Texas when we had this conversation. He said, I pulled a page out of the book of Carl. I said, well, what's that? He said, start every day with worship. Just go by yourself and turn on some worship and, and give your heart to God as the first thing you do in, in the morning. He gets up. What time do you get up? Four. Your microphone is four. Yeah, so a couple hours before the Lord's up, he is up. If he eats ice cream, this is, a, this is true. If you ever want to steal from Carl, give him a bowl of ice cream. He'll be out like a light. You can take everything in the house. That's true. So, Carl, when did you first come to know Jesus? Somewhere around 13, 14. Yeah. How'd it happen? My parents um, normally didn't go to church on Wednesday nights. My dad was pretty well deaf, and it was hard for him to hear. He, they went Sundays. Uh, but um, anyhow, my brother Menno asked if I wanted to come to church on Wednesday night. And so I said, yeah, they lived across the road from us at the time. And uh, so I went. And uh, so I'm sitting in the auditorium, and they usually had a speaker get up and have devotions and have prayer. And then we went into uh, a prayer meeting, which I don't remember the prayer meeting at all. Uh, but he had... Uh, asked for the instruction class, which is a group of kind of my peers that had accepted Christ, and he excused them from the auditorium with Pastor John Mishler to have this instruction class before they were going to be baptized a few weeks later. So I'm sitting there, and I, I heard that, and they got up. And then what I know now the Lord gave me a vision, and I seen them, instead of walking out the room, they went up to heaven, and I'm sitting there. And so my heart began to pound like crazy, and right away, I wanted to get this thing taken care of. And uh, so I sat through that service. Like I say, I don't remember what happened in the service, because all I could think about was... I'm not going, you know. And so after the service, I met with Pastor John Mishler, and he, we went to a, up in the balcony to a private, sort of a private area, and I just shared with him. And he just shared a couple scriptures. And I had prayer, and he had prayer. And basically, I said, I do to Jesus. And that was it, and that peace came over me, and uh, I didn't have that heart throbbing, like, whew, you know. Uh, so then I went to instruction class after that. So let me get this straight. 
It wasn't like there was a barn burner of a message. Mm-mm. You don't even remember the message. Mm-mm. It wasn't there was even the nothing. Point. There was nothing. Them kids me. got up and walked out the room, and yeah. you had a vision that they were going to heaven, and you were like, I'm not. Right. And you basically were enduring the service. Like, Correct. get this thing over with so I can meet Jesus. Right. Get out of my way. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And it was John Mishler that, that had the privilege of leading you in that prayer? Yes, he did. I like that guy. He, I mean, I prayed first, and then he prayed, and, and uh, I can still see us kneeling they had benches up there in the balcony, and I could still see that. Where was this? Greenwood Mennonite Greenwood Church. Mennonite? Yeah, the brick That's church. That's cool. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Not you saying seem... that I really followed Christ that. That's where it started. Yeah. It was a seed. That's where it started. It was a seed. And was small. Yeah, and right. took a while to bear some fruit, but it was real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah. saw that face. Did you see that face? Oh, it took a while. Yeah. Uh, now I view you as someone who has like a really loving, your vision of God the Father is really loving, warm. Uh, God is the father who chases after sinners. Like the worst sinner, it's almost like the more the father goes after them. Yeah. You know? How did you get that way? Where did you learn that, that that's what the father's like? Mm. I started sharing the gospel soon after I was married, I would say. How, when, uh, it's kind of interesting how that, that came about. How old were you when you got married? 19. 19. Yeah. That's like five years old, feels like. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. Okay, yeah. keep talking. Just about 20, yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy. I'm up here talking, all right? So this is part of it. But uh, back then, I had a lot of low self-worth. Uh, tremendous, in fact. I didn't even like writing my name on a piece of paper. Uh, But I kept that stuff secret and probably didn't even understand what low self-worth was. I did find out later through Focus on the Family, James, Dr. James Dobson, and and he's such a good psychologist and really studied the family and and people and and so I I learned that from him. how we got the way we are, right. And so uh, I had gotten, it wasn't in this part, it was over there in the chapel area. I remember, I'm just going to share this because it's kind of, kind of funny, but it's not in a sense. Um, they asked me to be Sunday evening leader. So I did, and I shared some scripture, and I had opening prayer, and then I had to have closing prayer. And when I had closing prayer, I thank the Lord for the food, and we didn't have food. <laughs> and the pastor... He's just trying to say he's nervous. I'm just he's saying, nervous. This, I was so nervous and so, you know, cautious of what I was doing. You just couldn't, and that slipped out. And, and John Mishler made a comment like, oh, we're having food. And, uh, and when you grow up with... The complex that I was in, you get hurt easily. Yeah, yeah. You just do. Right. I know that yeah. now. And uh, I had hurts already, so I was wounded, dude. Um, some of it came from school. Uh, I don't like school. Um, even when I was a maintenance guy at the Greenwood Mennonite School, it about scared me to death to walk in a classroom just to mop up, throw up. Uh, 
but I almost think that the and more... And the throw-up wasn't the scary part. No. The classroom was the scary. classroom was for, the for, scary for part. For me, the opposite yeah. experience. And so, but I'm glad I went through that five-year period. Uh, kind of helped me grow out of that. I think that's one of the reasons why the Lord sent me there. Um, he used it anyhow, put it that way. So, uh, there was a third grade teacher that, um, if I would see her today, which I wouldn't, I'm sure she's gone, I would hug her and, and tell her I loved her. But she asked a question, um, and I took it as, you know, that I'm dumb or. She said, why is your brother and sister, uh, why aren't you like your brother and sister? Yeah. Right. So that just added on the, the more. I learned differently. I know that now. And strange as it is, I learned that through my youngest boy who struggled with the same thing. Yep. And yep. thank God we got it straightened out for him. In fact, he's back there cooking. He's a a chef, and he's a, a, has the catering company. He's doing well. He do whatever he wants. Does whatever he wants, yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, I struggled through that with school. And when I turned 16, uh, July the 29th, uh, I was like, ah, I don't have to go to school anymore. So I said something to my mom. She said, well, you had older brothers and sisters that didn't finish school. They turned, they, they were fine. What age, how old were you again? When you, when you 16. You, you, so you stopped, no more school after That's 16. That's right, I worked full time with my dad building houses. And uh, been doing that kind of work ever since. And uh, so anyhow, um, I had this low self-worth. I, I put a lot of... Um, how shall I say it, in construction work in my line of worth. I put a lot of worth into that. And uh, I did well. I was like foreman on the job when I was 17 and, and learned a lot and uh, was able to, to build houses. And, uh, but anyhow, later on in life, I don't know how long you want me to go on with this question. Well, you, we're, we're, we're in it now. Okay. And, and here's what I'm hearing you say. When you grew up, you, you had some, what we would now call learning disabilities, mm -hmm. which at that time, they didn't diagnose they didn't that know. kind of stuff. They didn't no. give you special care. They didn't go, oh, he learns different. We better tr teach different. Now they just said, what's wrong with you? Try harder. And, right. And you internalize it as, I'm a failure because I am failing. That's right. And I'm not as good as other people. Right. And right. I know you from, like, you're the dude who when I need to understand something complex that's mechanical, I call Carl. And then he says, here's what a carburetor does. Here's what your engine cylinder's doing. Here's how this is working with that. And if we take this apart, you'll see this underneath. And I go, how the heck do you know all this stuff? And he's like, I just do. I know how it works. You know, he yeah. designed, Carl designed a, um, a sand filter for my pool. And he got real frustrated with me because I wanted him to draw me a diagram of what we were going to build before we built it so that I would understand how it was going to work. And he's like, it's in my head. I don't need to draw it. And so I, I was like, man, I just have for years kind of marveled at this spatial intelligence, mechanical and spatial intelligence 
of this guy who gets stressed out if I email him notes from a leadership team meeting, right? Okay. Don't you get stressed out? You're like, I ain't reading that. Yeah, 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 sort of. Anyhow, um, obviously when you're hurt, you, you can pile up a lot of hurts. Um, I remember I, some of this stuff is what the Lord told me to share this morning in my quiet time, all right? So anyhow, in the third grade also was getting hard of hearing, in which probably, you know, my mom was probably nervous about it because she had a husband that was basically deaf. And um, so I, I, I remember going to the nurse's room all the time and, and I had to go to this clinic where this doctor stuck this brass thing up my nose and of course I went, you know, and he said if you wouldn't do that, it wouldn't hurt, you know, and, and I'm like, and I was this quiet dude, I wouldn't share nothing of myself, that's the other thing. I just didn't share nothing. My mom never knew how I felt because I didn't share how I felt. Uh, if I was going to cry, I walked off somewhere and cried. Uh, and so that's just how I was. And so, you know, today I would have, I could have busted him one. But anyhow, <laughs> so what do you think? You're sticking this thing up my nose, yeah. you know. So, you know, and it, and it that had an effect on me. It just does, you know, as a child. I went, then I, all of a sudden one Sunday, I don't know if Abelina remembers it or not, but I ended up going to the hospital. They said, you're going to the hospital. And you're going to have your tonsils taken out and your adenoids. And I'm like, what? And so off I go to Milford Hospital. Well, they didn't have any room in the children's ward. So I had to go to the men's ward. And I walked in, and all the beds were filled except for this one. And there were tubes running in and out of these guys and older men and about scared you half to death, and I walk in there with mom and getting ready to have to hop into this bed, and and this man next to there seemed that she was Mennonite and probably knew German, so he said something in German that wasn't too nice. I knew what he meant and what he said, so I didn't like that guy. So then the other guy next to me, I, I noticed that there was a bad odor, and here he had been burnt, and he had a, like a stench, you know, coming from him. And he was trying to talk to me, and I didn't understand what he was saying. So I just kind of, you know, laid there, you know, and didn't say anything. I remember all this stuff. And, uh, and first thing you know, it's Monday morning. Here comes this nurse and had to roll over and pull down my pants and give me a shot and roll back over and then you all of a sudden later on you wake up and you're like ah man and nausea and I don't know what all and you, you had to vomit and that was embarrassing to me and uh, my mom wasn't there when I woke up I'm not saying anything against her I understand but uh, a lady that was tending with her I think her dad but I'm not sure helped me out and uh and then I had to get one of them half gowns on because my pajamas uh, were dirtied from the, the vomit. And so I didn't like that either. And, uh, 
Anyhow, I came out then Wednesday, and I was fine. Uh, uh, Mom took care of me. I was back home. But, you know, those experiences there, uh, you know, affected me, probably hurt, uh, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I carried that with me for a while. Yeah. Anyhow. So how did you come on, to see the father? Huh? How did you come to see the father the way that you see the father now? Okay. Because yeah. that's where that all started. Yeah, it when does. I asked you that question. Well, uh, when I got in my 40s. Oh, wow. We fast forwarded. Okay. Well, unless you want me to take a long time. Yeah. I mean, I got married to a sweet gal. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Let's do that. Yes. And, um, and yet... I kept a lot of that, I kept all that stuff secret to me. Uh, obviously, I didn't want to show her that I had low self-worth. And uh, I was King Kong, I guess, I don't know. Uh, a lot of times when you have those kind of hurts, uh, there's things that you do to cover it up. There's things you do that feel good for a short time. And then you feel terrible, you feel bad, and there's sin in your life. Uh, know, the Lord said I didn't have to mention the, the sins, so I won't. I'll just say that any sin, any sin is addictive. Yeah. Sin is, period. It's addictive. So, yeah. So I, I really felt like trash. So you had coping mechanisms to deal with your self-hatred, maybe was a good word for it. Right. And then the coping mechanisms themselves increased the self-hatred. Correct. Wonderful. Yeah. So anyhow, crazy enough, you know, I was a head usher here, and, and I, would, I would sit. Um, we, I was going to Sunday school, and then people would come after Sunday school, and so I wanted to kind of address them and make them feel welcome. Uh, I love doing that. Um, I still do today. So I was sitting back here in the back listening to a Sunday school class that was over here, and it was older gentlemen. Uh, I could name their names. Uh, they're, they're from in their 60s to their 70s, 80. And uh, there was, uh, actually it was Rusty's dad that was teaching that class. So anyhow, and and... When they vote in people, they always have a substitute. So they asked me to be the substitute. And so I was like, well, that'll never happen. They're not going to, yeah, he's going to keep Yeah, teaching. sure, I'll do it. They'll never make me to actually no, do it. No, no. Well, anyhow, uh, he had to take a leave. And so here I am teaching these older gentlemen Sunday school class out of the quarterly. And one of the lessons was that the teacher is more accountable because he's teaching. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. Uh, I really felt bad then. Uh, man. Uh, our, and they still do it. We have a conference that we belong to. And they have a big, huge meeting on a, like it starts on a Thursday, ends on a Sunday. And... So a number of families went, and uh, there was this, it, the emphasis was on prayer. So this oh, is where... Leslie Duell. Wesley Duell. Wesley Duell, yeah. 
And he spoke to the men. And uh, I remember sitting there listening to him, and I seen, yeah, I'm welling up on it too, but anyhow, love and compassion come rolling out of his eyes. He's 83 years old then, and it was like the Holy Spirit would just hit him, and he just had stories after stories after stories of where he interceded. They interceded and interceded, and the answers and the things that God did through that. Uh, and I wondered what he had. I his just book wondered, was uh, you, no. His book was "Touch the World Through, through prayer. prayer." Right. Uh, and so I said, "Man, I was crying. I had tears running down my face. Man, this is what I want. This is what I want." And so listening to him twice, and then I went to the tent, and here he was selling this book. So I bought two of them, and uh, went home and read them. And so I began to pray. I, not that I didn't pray before, don't get me wrong. I had my time alone, but at the same time, I, I began to pray and ask God to get rid of this stuff that was in right. me. Yeah. And I had this sort of a repetitious prayer um, in that. And uh, so then later on, my wife and I became sponsors of the youth group, yep. and Brian Zook was leader of it yep. at the time. And so he chose to take the youth group out to Columbus, Ohio, um, to the city challenge for the youth group. I knew a little bit about it because the previous year we went out with a graduating class to the city challenge, and, and I didn't want to leave. Hmm. I really didn't. I didn't want to leave that place. But I came back home, obviously. So we went out, and... Um, they did that... And they did that hot seat thing that they always yeah, do. Yeah, we went. Every single yeah. individual gets focused prayer over them. And I wasn't, my attention wasn't on myself. My attention was on the kids, you know, the, the youth that were out there. And so I was praying for them. I remember praying for each one that Saturday uh, night. It was the last night that we had a meeting with uh, uh, Sean Eicher and Conrad Esch. Yeah. And Conrad Esch had spoke that night, and so he wanted us to all go out and to uh, talk to the Lord and ask of him and, and hear his voice. And so I was doing that, but I just wasn't hearing anything. And so I was like, I'm going to pray for all the kids. So I did. And so we went back up, and then he separated the guys from the girls, and Carmen stayed with the girls. We went down into the house because we were in the garage. Now, me yeah. and Carmen tend to tag team and do this thing you're talking about. I'm, I'm Conrad Esch now. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So we went down into a room, and we just stood in a circle, and Conrad Esch had shared his testimony, and so did Sean. And, and when I heard what they had said, that this stuff was cast out in the name of Jesus, and I was like, man, my heart started pounding. And, and so... Uh, so anyhow, Eric wasn't my son-in-law then, but uh, I remember him going first. Good job. And uh, I don't even know what he said, because my heart was pounding. And we all laid hands on him and prayed for him, and everything went great. And then Conrad said, everybody gets a bear hug. And I was like, wow. So I was like, I had to go next. 
So I did. So it's a weird thing where you confess your worst and in, and in return you get God's best. Yes. Through people. Through people, right. I mean, they had, yeah. But anyhow, I went to sit in the chair, and by then I, I looked at Conrad. I said, this is all I said. This, it's your testimony. This is what I'm going through. I got stuff in me. And then when I went to sit down the chair, I said, oh, yeah, low self-worth has got to go. And then I began to sob. And those guys laid hands on me, and they had so much confirmation coming out of them. It was, it was so beautiful, and I felt it. And I felt the love of God, the Father. And, and then Conrad was the one who prayed that final prayer of, of it to be cast out in the name of Jesus. I carried a big knot of hurts in my gut. And I knew how to keep it down because hmm. it was very emotional. And so it came up through my chest and through my head and went out the roof of that building. I can still see it go today. Uh, and I, I was like, wow. And I was so amazed I didn't even know what to say. I was so tickled and amazed. I was just... And they got done praying for me, and I stood there. And Brian says, Carl, you're floating. You know, my feet are on the floor, but he said, you're floating. And, uh, and so that was the shoe. I never felt so good in my life. Uh, that all to be lifted out. Uh, and then after that, I, I couldn't wait to go home. The year before, I didn't want to leave. I couldn't wait to come home and share the story, to share what Jesus had done. And that following Sunday, I did. I stood right up here, and Clinton Yoder used it that day for other people to get set free, and they did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so from that day on, God is able to teach me and to help me grow out of my low self-worth and to tell me who I am in him, that I'm his son. And he directed me to people outside of this church. Art Dokes was one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. There were other people and the ministers. Um, it, was just, it was just beautiful. Uh, and so but, here but I am today. Yeah. Not everybody likes when you get free and they're not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were a few people that did come to me and want to be set free. And then there were others that wouldn't look at me because they went through the same stuff. They were doing the same things. Uh, some of them feared what the other side would be being set free because they wouldn't have control of it. Yeah. Or allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants. I think that's pretty common, isn't it? For, mm -hmm. for most of us, we, we come to God with specific agendas. God, I want you to eliminate this sin in my life and that sin in my life, but I want to retain control so that I can still be happy. That's right, yeah. Right? Cause, mm -hmm. So we, we, we try to do this weird thing and it doesn't work where, we're, where we let God deal with those parts of us we dislike while holding on to some things that we know he, no, maybe we, it's just a distrust issue, isn't it? Like we don't trust that he is going to lead us into greater joy. We think right. we are definitely right. better at that than him. Right, right. Um, one area, back to that teacher in the third grade, I thought everything 
between her and me would have been fine. You know, I forgave her. I didn't. And yet, at the same time, the Lord told me one Wednesday evening here, he said, you still got anger towards her. I said, oh, uh, Dennis Shatustas was up here doing the ministry time. So I was like, well, I ain't waiting on this. I'm getting up here to get rid of this thing. I don't want no anger. I don't want none of that stuff. One of the things the Lord told me about, and I think I've shared this with you before, um, and it was particularly because of unforgiveness or whatever, but any of this stuff, when it's sin, it's death that you're carrying. And back in Christ's day, and even before, the Romans had a cruel, well, they had the cross, was one of the cruel things to do for criminals. But they also had another one they did, and they would, they would strap a, it's kind of gross, it is gross, a dead corpse on your back, and eventually it would kill you. And it's death. They were carrying death around. And so the Lord kind of spoke to me about that. He said, you know, when someone hurts you, it's someone else's sin, and it's, it's when you take it and you keep it, and you don't forgive and let it go, it's, it's strapped to you, and it becomes, it's death hanging on you, and eventually you get bitter, and you get really down, and eventually it can kill you, in a sense. You know, your, your spirit within has life. And so, get rid of it. I, I do. I do. I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it. Amen. Get rid of it. It ain't worth carrying around. Past sins is not worth carrying around. God is not even, the past is done with with him. Yeah. He's in the now and the future. And, and he, he wants all that stuff gone from you. He don't want you to carry it. Let him, let him deal with it. He knows, what to, he knows what to do with it. And he throws it. I can't imagine his pitching arm, but it goes. It really throws it as far as the east is from the west. That's really far. Really far. I think one of the conversations we've had over the years is your style of evangelism has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I first came, there was a, a, a method of leading people to Christ. That's right. That you no longer use. No. And it's not because it's completely wrong. It's, right. I, it, I think it's, what, what has shifted in your understanding? Like, I feel like one thing I've heard you say is everybody's already forgiven. They just don't know it yet. That's right. Like Jesus has already laid his life down for everyone. But that's people right. don't know it, so they're not walking in it. You that's know? right. And that's a different mindset than the old method, which is yeah. convince them they're bad and then paint them into a corner and threaten them with hell and then get them to pray a prayer and sign a card. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't you, you don't know what changed it? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some of it changed because of hearing it from you. I had to deal with it. I did a while ago. I think I, I yeah. maybe tempted you to be salty with me on that kind of stuff, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did it. And I, I have to say, man, it hit me hard. I think what I said Punched right to your face, that wasn't very nice. I, I said, that's not how Jesus did it, Carl. Mm -hmm. And then I walked away. Yeah. 
You sure did. Hopefully I wouldn't do that nowadays quite that And then well. I mentioned it again to him, and then he just walks away. I probably like, just didn't hear you, dude. All uh, right, I know what to do the next time. Another I'll thing grab is... Grab a hold yeah, of your yeah, beard. Just gra- yeah, exactly. Grab me. Uh, yeah. Another thing, and we're basically closing down here, but yeah. uh, I like to think things through. And so you think I. things through, too. But yeah. when it comes to prayer, you don't. Mm-mm. When it comes to prayer... I'll say, Carl, I need you to pray about this important issue going on in my life because I need wisdom. I've, there's a practical path. We've got to find the path. I need to find God's path. So can you pray about this? And then Carl will come back and he'll say, when I prayed, this is what happened in my gut. And I'll say, why? And then he'll say, I don't know. Well, should we do this, Father? And then I felt uh, yucky in my stomach. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, it probably means no. Or, or the opposite. I felt peace. So yeah. that's a green light. Right. It's not a rationally thinking through the issue. It's, a, it's an awareness of the distinction between his spirit's union with the Father and his mind's understanding of it. Yeah. And that's really interesting to me. I tell you what got me into that, because the Lord had me look back. I had bought some years ago a timeshare, and I had that doggone feeling in my gut. That's a bad thing. And but I did it anyhow. And it was a. I mean, some people can take timeshares. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing you wrong. You gotta work with, at it to get your money's worth. Yeah, you. It's fine if you do. Some people really work it and they make money on it. Okay, it's fine. It's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that at all. But for me, it was not. The Lord knew it. And I became angry. I was an angry dude about that thing. But and you had that feeling uh, when you were in the decision phase and you didn't honor that feeling. Exactly. And now you're like, uh-oh. Like I know what that feeling's all about now, you know. How and did you feel when you started dating Sue Chup? Oh, <laughs> I still remember the first time I seen her, and it was, ooh, okay. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you know what it means. <laughs> I don't think you want me to say it up no, in front of No, I probably don't, but I like saying Suchup really fast. In my mind, Suchup is like a, a, it's a, it's a meal you eat at the Chinese restaurant. You like Suchup? You like fly lice? Okay, let's move on. We I knew that night, though, the first day I seen her, I knew that night she was the one. You like April? I didn't, I didn't tell her that, but I... You knew on the first date? Yes, I did. When did you tell her? Six <laughs> months later, and I asked her if she would marry me, and she said, yep. One thing I've noticed young people do when they love God and they are desperate to get married is they, they tell the person they have a crush on that God told me that we're supposed to get married. No, nah, I didn't. I think that deserves a good, swift drop kick. Yeah. That's manipulative and rude. Don't That's do it. Right. Even if God tells you, keep it a hush-up secret and let him tell them too. I did test it out the you week before. Yeah, we were washing dishes. She was down here at our house. Mom and Dad's and I was washing dishes. She was drying. And we were acting crazy anyhow. And I said, will you marry me? And what? She, and she said, yeah. And it wasn't even, I wasn't really serious. You guys were what, 13 years old? No. She was, we were eight, 18. You were 18. Yeah. And 
So I was like, okay, that went pretty good. That's quite a fleece to put out. Yeah. Will you marry me? Yeah, I had to test it out. I'm just kidding if she says oh, no. no. I was just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah. So Carl, what are, we, what are we doing here? How are we going to end this thing? Well, for ministry? Yeah. Yeah. Look, you've heard me. And I know there's people out here that have hurts. Yeah. There's stuff in the past that you're still holding on to. Don't. I don't really, I don't want you to hold on to them. I want you to be able to get rid of it. And so here, I offer that. I'm here. I'm here to help you through it. Uh, and it's a, it's a blessing to me to, to be able to do that. It's Jesus doing it. I'm just going to lead you to him. I'm going to always point you to him. I'm not going to talk about your sin. I'm not going to even going to talk about your hurt. I'm not. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about the Father and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit. He loves you. There's no condemnation whatsoever. I'm preaching now. There's no condemnation from him. He loves you. He loves to be next to you. He loves. He's proud to stand next to you. I don't care what you've done. He's proud too. He's your dad. He created you. In, in his image. He loves you. More than you can imagine. Through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, he gave us all. Can we ask for more? He gave us all. I thought about that the other day. I said, you know, we ask for more. More of his Holy Spirit. He gave us all. He gave everything. Gave it all. It's tremendous. It's, it's living in me. It's living in you, in Christ. Yeah. All of it. He don't just give a part of himself. Right. I don't give you myself in pieces. I give you my all. That's the Father. That's the Father. I love him. I love it. So you guys can go ahead and stand. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stan's going to say something. And if some members of the worship team come up and serenade, that would be nice. But I feel particularly Here, grab like I want to pray for anyone for physical healing who would like me to.